Sorry, I don't love you. A friend I've grown accustomed to. Because with you, something isn't wrong. Something isn't wrong. Hey, everyone, something welcome to Geekdom is back. This week, we are talking all about Stranger Things. And today I have on Derek, who is a freelance music writer. Derek, how do you pronounce your last name? Just so I don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's French. So I, I totally get you. It's um, Rossignol. <laughs> okay. I was going to say it that way, but I wasn't entirely sure. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your freelance writing experience? And I know you specifically wrote about Stranger Things. So this will be a perfect topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I wrote a lot about Stranger Things for Nerdist.com. I, I was basically like the Nerdist beat writer for like two or three months after after that show came out. Um, so yeah, I write for Nerdist and I write about TV, music, games, technology, movies, what have you. Um, and I also have bylines at places like um, the Boston Globe, uh, The Guardian, Paste, the AV Club, Consequences Sound, sort of places like that. Awesome. And when you were writing about this for Nerdist, did you start writing about it pretty much right after the show dropped or did it take you a little while to hear about it first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think I'd started actually watching the show itself like a week or so after it came out because at that point it had, it, it, it was starting to be pretty well hyped. Um, people were, were, were crazy into it for the plot and the themes and the... Um, just sort of 80s feeling stuff and that seemed cool to me so I watched it and I think I knocked it out in like probably like a week and a half or so. Nice yeah I watched it in a much quicker manner. I watched the first episode just randomly one night and then I enjoyed it so much that the next day I just sat and watched through the next seven episodes pretty much without Mm -hmm. moving off of the couch so I knocked it out in essentially a day if you consider the fact that I started it at night and finished it in the afternoon the next day but I found it yeah I found it so enjoyable that I was just like all right I'm just gonna Mm. sit here and watch this because I didn't have anything else to do or anywhere Mm. to be so it was convenient at the time but how did you go about writing for Nerdist with this tv show well, so pretty much, I guess the uh, nature, <clears throat> excuse me, of the things that I was writing for Nerdist about it was sort of like reaction to news post show, either like behind the scenes info that would come out or things the the cast were doing outside of of the show. Like, um, for example, in the course of writing about it, I sort of found that that most of the cast is pretty musical outside of the show. Like uh, okay. Finn uh, Wolfhard. Who plays? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm so bad with character names. I should be better with character names for someone who writes about TV, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, but any, but anyway, he, uh, yeah, like he's always like posting songs on Twitter, and there, there's like a few other who sing and play in- instruments and stuff. So that was sort of one thing I learned about them outside of the show. So just sort of like trivia type things like that, and just sort of information that is tangent to the show itself. Yeah, and I know. You said, obviously, some of the cast being musical outside of this. Mm-hmm. Finn appeared in a pup music video, I believe it yeah, was. Yeah, that's right. And that <laughs> was sort of something that was pretty cool because, you know, pup isn't this huge band, but because mm-hmm. I feel like because he was in the music video, it kind of brought in probably mm-hmm. some more fans for the band and everything. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. quite a few of the kids from the show have been in other things since the show dropped. Yeah. And I feel like it's they're they've had such an influence on 
what people will check out now just because they go and do these random things. And I think when you have a cast that is so young, and especially for a show that might not necessarily skew towards a younger audience just because of the nature of the show, that's Mm -hmm. kind of an interesting dynamic that they have going there. And when I first started watching the show, I wasn't entirely sure, you know, the first half of the episodes, the first four episodes or so, how they were going to do a season two out of this. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you hit episode eight. And obviously, spoiler alerts for anyone listening, we are going to, yeah. to definitely mm-hmm. talk about the whole show. But then when they have it end with, you know, Will coming back. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Will. And yeah. And and the, he he's just like coughing up tentacles in the bathroom and stuff. And you're like, oh, well, that's a lingering problem. Right. And it's like he's kind of acting like everything is fine when everyone else is around. And he goes in the bathroom and it just sort of ends. And you're like, OK, mm. where are we going with this? And, you know, Barb was sort of I wouldn't necessarily say a huge fan favorite, but there were a lot of people who sort of mm-hmm. clung on to that character. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe we could see her come back, maybe not. They never really, you know, gave us a body at the end of the season, if I recall correctly. So there's sort of a few different ways they can take this. And I think, you know, they did a good job of not pigeonholing themselves in the first season, Mm -hmm. assuming it would just be a single season, because... With these Netflix shows, sometimes it's kind of hard to tell if they're going to be these huge hits or if they're sort of just going to be a one-off thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think they did a great job with that. But was there anything you didn't particularly like about the show? Um, I'm trying to think. I guess if I had to pick one thing, it would probably be be Barb. So, but then again, there's me. Then there's the people who didn't care for. Her. So as I said, right. it's polarizing. Um, I liked her, I, I should say even my own view of her is polarizing because I liked her because the, the, uh, function of her character made sense. She was sort of the nerdy, uh, sidekick whose friend sort of gets in with the quote unquote popular crew, um, just sort of that classic eighties trope thing, which there's a lot of in the show just because it is a big nod to that era. Um, and then when she is taken or maimed or, or what have you, um, it's it's sort of like for the fans who hate her, like yeah, she's gone finally, good. I couldn't stand her, but also this is this is a pretty serious thing that doesn't bode well for Will. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. She can draw a variety of reactions out of a variety of people, but I would say I actually don't. I might have just talked myself out of not liking her. She, she's fine. She serves a function. <laughs> Um, so I don't know, I guess I'd, I'm not, I, I couldn't find that many things to root against in the show, which is why I think I enjoyed it so much and watched it as, as quickly as I did, not as fast as you did, but, you know, <laughs> right, but, right. but still fast for my standards. Yeah. And it's sort of one of those shows where you can kind of watch it any way and it's still enjoyable. You know, you could do what I did mm-hmm. and crank it out in a day because it's only eight episodes or you can sort of take your time with it and do an episode a day and you're Mm -hmm. sort of savoring the experience more that way too probably but Mm -hmm. i think i'm sort of on the same page as you there wasn't really anything 
I didn't like about the show. I mean, obviously, there aren't really perfect TV shows by any means, but I think they had this idea and they executed it very well. And as someone who has reviewed TV shows or, you know, I will be once The Flash and Supergirl come back. I've been reviewing those this season. And it's like, I'm not quite as critical as people expect for, you know, like TV critics and that sort of thing. I tend to Mm -hmm. review things that I'm, I feel like I'm more inclined to like. I've never really felt the need to review something I didn't like and kind of just spend my time bashing on it because I feel like that's not really something I want to spend my time doing in general. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, a lot of people had plenty of good things to say about the show. And I think that's why it received a season two so quickly. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, they did an excellent job with the casting too. You know, they didn't try to go out and get all of these famous kid actors and actresses from, you know, like Disney Channel or something that would Mm -hmm. automatically bring in an audience just because of who they were. Instead, they went and got these kids who hadn't really been in anything, if they had been in anything at all, really. And then, you know, you have Winona Ryder as Joyce Byers, Will's mom, and then you have David Harbour as Jim Hopper, and they're sort of the more well-known actors of the show, but it's not like they're so overwhelmingly popular that they're taking away from what's going on with the mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And I think too, what's, what's nice about sort of why that, that, that kind of casting works. Um, if you, if you look back at the sort of movies that, um, and shows that, that this show is based on, like in the, if there's a cast of kids, it wasn't necessarily like huge names that you know already. It's just, it's just people who you basically only know as that character. So they're not bringing in sort of other ideas um, of who the viewer believes them to be. It's very easy to believe them as their own thing and see them as existing only in this universe that you're watching right now. Yeah. And I feel like that is very similar to, you know, what J.K. Rowling created with Harry Potter. And when Mm -hmm. you have those actors and actresses come in as kids and they sort of grow up with these movies like we did, it's like they're always sort of going to be known for those characters in some way, even though they are adults and have other things going on now that Harry Potter has finished, at least with the seven books being turned into movies. And Mm -hmm. I feel like with this, they have a lot to work with because these kids are still in, you know, what, probably elementary school, middle school, something like that. So, you know, you can have these kids go all the way through high school and, you know, make this whole big thing out of this one town and all of these weird things happening in this Mm -hmm. town. And who knows, you know, how many seasons we'll get out of this show right now. All we know is Mm -hmm. that there is definitely going to be a season two. And what do you think about season two? Do you have any ideas of what they're going to do? I know they've made some casting additions, but I haven't really Mm -hmm. heard much about, you know, the plot or anything like that. So do you have any theories or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about theories, but what I do think 
um, I I do think that they do have a lot of options going in, into the next season. Because um, there's, while obviously the sort of main plot line was what was taken care of in, in, in the first season, there's a lot of, um, like we said before, problems or, or, or issues or just themes that sort of linger and, and weren't fully closed off. Like, I, I, I imagine they would explore sort of the aftermath of Will's whole ordeal. Like, he's still coughing up weird dark side, whatever, body parts and whatnot. So he's obviously still being impacted by what happened in in a very tangible way that, that they would just have to explore in, in order for this story to advance in, in a way that makes sense. Um, and I forget when they said it, but the show's creators did say that there would be some sort of justice for Barb in this next season, whether that's okay. just just the characters saying that, like, yeah, this actually happened, or if she if she comes back, or if she gets, I don't know, whatever else could possibly happen to her. So there's that angle. There's the angle of the whole dynamic in between um, Nancy and Jonathan. That seemed like it like it ended in kind of a strange way of her going with the bad boy, who I guess kind of turned good towards the end. Right. Um, but, but there's still that, that tension there to deal with. There's still Hopper dealing with the, um, scientists and that sort of creepy shadow or the, or the organization. So, I mean, even, even just based on those four angles, and I'm sure these new characters they're bringing in will introduce more. They, it, it seems like there's still plenty of, of th this universe for them to delve into and explore. Yeah. And while they haven't really announced much plot wise, they did release, episode titles for season two and obviously some of them will probably change just so they didn't give too much away but it looks like mm -hmm. season two is going to be nine episodes instead of eight so it'll be interesting what they do with an extra episode added in there because i know a lot mm -hmm. of people who have been following some of the marvel netflix shows or even some of the other netflix originals their main complaints have been you know the seasons are too long. They don't necessarily need to do these 13 episode seasons for every single season of a Marvel show. And I think mm -hmm. somewhere between eight to 10 is sort of the sweet spot right now for these Netflix originals. And I think them just only adding a single episode is a good sign that they sort of realize this is what's working for them. And mm -hmm. we saw so much happen in these first eight episodes you know right away in the first episode will is taken and it's like we don't even really get to see that yeah. much of will's character in general it's like he's the main <laughs> person of the story and he's not even in the story for the majority of it so it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see how they sort of develop will's character in season two and what happens you know with all of that because he vanished in in episode one and they didn't get him back until episode eight so you have mm -hmm. sort of these six episodes in between that's focused on will in a sense but you're getting so much more of all of the other characters that mm -hmm. we definitely probably want to see more of will in season two and i think it's safe to say that a lot of people liked Winona Ryder as the mom and mm -hmm. she sort of played the frantic paranoid mom very well and oh, I yeah. think that character sort of really really fit well with the casting mm -hmm. 
And I think those two characters that you that you j- just mentioned will probably be, I think, the most interesting going into this, this next season. Because um, as you said, Will was was sort of like he was a main character, but not really. And right. and even and even though he's he's a part of this core group of, of main characters who we followed mainly j- during during the first season, and he's part of that main squad. We don't really know much about his personality. Like we've only seen him in, interact with those kids, not that often. Like in the first and, and last episodes, pre and post ordeal. Um, so, and and it it was hard for Will as a character to show off any. Uh, character traits because he was just kind of panicked and worried the whole time which obviously makes sense given right. what he was going through um so it'll be curious uh, it'll be interesting to see what he actually is as a character yeah and i definitely want to touch on 11 as well because that mm-hmm. is the character they really took time to develop and give her a lot to do because when we first see her you know she doesn't talk to anyone she just sort Mm -hmm. of takes egos and eats them all (laughs) and you know she Mm -hmm. is definitely this weird character to begin and then you know as she starts hanging out with the boys they sort of kind of get her to this place of normalness until you know obviously the scientist comes back and everything and hopper in the final episode does give up l's locations just so he can go save will from Mm -hmm. you know this upside down forest type thing that he's in and Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens as far as what happens with the scientist and l in season two because you know Obviously, she had been experimented on and all of these sorts of things. And we saw glimpses of that. You know, they were putting her in this tank and everything. And they touch on it in season one. But I sort of want to see a little bit more of that in season two. Because we, I feel like we still don't have this full picture of Eleven and sort of what she's mm-hmm. capable of. And we see a lot of that, you know, when the boys are getting into a fight with these bullies and, you know, one of them goes over and L somehow kind of like levitates him back to to the road Mm -hmm. and everything. And I think there's just so much that they can work with there as well that it'll be interesting to see if they sort of hash out more of those details in season two. Mm -hmm. Um, And and also with her kind of a... uh like thing with with will it, it'll be it'll be curious to see now that she's sort of um in less of a state where she's always uh, threatened uh, it, it'll be curious to see um what sort of personality uh, emerges with her and i, I think right. that's actually the, the the case for most of these characters who we saw in in, in, the, in the first season um because now now that in, in this next season they won't be so much in in the uh thick of this big drama and always being under under constant threat they'll have more room to sort of breathe and it exists as people going about a more normal or as normal as it can be after that um kind of life so it's like we 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 know these characters but only in a in in an environment that very much impacts how they're going to behave and interact with their world so we know them in one facet that probably isn't um true to how they are in terms of personality if that makes any sense yeah it does and i think 
with them being these young impressionable kids as well a lot can change just from mm -hmm. this single experience that they've had with will going missing and then finally getting him back and i'm sure you know the the boys have a ton of questions for will and mm -hmm. we'll sort of see how much will reveals in season two as well because while we did see the upside down i feel like we didn't really get much of an understanding of it it's like okay mm -hmm. we know this is a place we sort of know what happens here but we don't really know why or how this thing exists and mm -hmm. i think you know like you said earlier they have so much to work with yeah. for season two and i sort of just want to touch on the what you brought up earlier about it having a very 80s feel and i think mm -hmm. that excited a lot of people because you know we have movies and everything that people grew up with in the 80s and 90s that sort of define their childhood and everything and while mm -hmm. you know i was not around in the 80s i have watched some of these movies and everything and it definitely mm -hmm. got that feel down very well but what do you think about it sort of being influenced by steven spielberg and even stephen king books and you know those being adapted into movies and everything having a similar feel because I've read quite a few Stephen King books, but not a lot by any means. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the handful that I've read, you definitely get that sort of science fiction horror vibe in a lot of his books. And I think Stephen King might be a little disappointed he didn't write this, you know, mm -hmm. and same with Steven Spielberg. So you get a lot of these different types of writers, directors, producers that sort of could have done this. So what do you think about that idea and sort of taking this back to a different time? Mm -hmm. Well, I was, uh, I was sort of pondering this today earlier um, and it reminded me of this video I watched. Um, it's probably like a couple months ago and it was actually about games, but it, it, it I think it also the, the applies here. I, I believe it was, it was a video by this guy called Mark Brown. He has this series called Game Maker's Toolkit, where he looks at games old and new and really breaks down why they work and what makes them work. Um, and he was talking about modern games that are inspired by like games, games from the 80s. And, and what he was saying is that the reason those work or, or, or rather the reason that the ones that do work work is because they don't try to um, emulate the things that were being made back in the 80s, but it emulates um, our perceived experience with those things. So it copies those things, but with a layer of the gloss and um, nostalgia that we look back on and, 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 and sort of copies how we remember enjoying those things as opposed to how they actually were. So like the music is, is very eighties, but, but it's, it's, it's very like a, a modern eighties kind of thing. And, and like the acting and characters are, are very eighties, but it, it, it's all through this modern lens. So right. it sort of has, so it sort of has this foot in both camps. And, and yeah, so I think that's the reason why it works so well, even though it's heavily drawn from the 80s, because it doesn't try to copy the 80s. It, it tries to copy what we feel we remember about these works. 
Yeah. And I think if they did it in a more modern sense, you know, with cell phones and all this technology and everything, Mm -hmm. the story wouldn't have been nearly as interesting and it wouldn't been as sort of difficult to find Will as it was because, you know, we see the kids with the walkie talkies and everything. And then, you know, in episode six, Nancy and Jonathan decide that they're going to go after the monster themselves and they just sort of go Mm -hmm. to an army surplus store or something like that and buy a bunch of Mm -hmm. supplies so they're doing this with you know sort of the bare necessities here and i think Mm -hmm. that's sort of what makes it so much more entertaining and especially since you know we don't live in a time where you know kids should just be going out riding their bikes from sunrise to well after dark and everything and we Mm -hmm. see these kids doing that and it's sort of like you start to remember how things were because even when i was younger and this was you know in the 90s it wasn't as big of a deal to be playing around outside and everything and it's like Mm-hmm, now sure. it you now if you see a kid walking around by themselves you're kind of like um what is this kid doing sort of thing yeah. and you never really get that with this show because it's not meant to be set in the present day and everything and you know it kind of makes you nostalgic for a time where you could just go around with your friends playing these games you know having walkie-talkies and everything and it's sort of like this show made people wish these were things you could still go outside and do on a regular basis instead of being so plugged into everything and on social media all the time. At least that's what it made me feel. And I think, you know, that's something that people need right now. And, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. all of us are so plugged in all the time that even though we had to be plugged in to watch the show, it's sort of, takes you out of that space for a while mm-hmm. yeah and i mean and it's, it's great that it's it's sort of set in this time when, when they don't have a lot of these these modern comforts because if it was true to like a modern reality um we would just have a show where we'd see mostly the the, the tops of characters heads because they're just staring down at their phones uh and that might not be as fun of a watch as them actually looking up and being aware of their environments which is sort of um i think what was good about the, the those 80s shows is that those characters were more aware of things that were happening around them. Yeah, and the Duffer brothers are the ones who are really behind this show and sort of mm-hmm. made this happen, and that would be Matt Duffer and Ross Duffer. And they, mm-hmm. you know, directed most of the episodes. I think they directed six out of the eight, and then they mm-hmm. even wrote the first two episodes themselves so they were very hands-on with this and i think they did such a good job with it that it would kind of be hard for them to hand it off to someone else at this point because you know Mm -hmm. a lot of times we see that with network shows you don't necessarily have the same writers or directors for every episode of a network show in fact you probably rarely do i know there are writers who will you know, kind of rotate in and out for network shows and everything like that. But I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the unique things about these Netflix shows. It's typically, you know, whoever has the idea is sort of the one who gets to run with it and they don't really have to 
feel obligated to hand it off because you can do eight episodes instead of a 20 plus episode season like you see with network television. I think that gives them a lot more room to work with, even though it's a lot less time to work with. Mm-hmm. And I think I think also what's important about having sort of, um, as you said, the same personnel staying on, um, I think part of the reason that um, things tend to, um, if not be worse, um, just be different um, when sort of power is changing hands is because with a thing that's so um, sense-driven and uh, vibe-driven and a visceral as a TV show and just so multifaceted, um, it's, you can't possibly, um, let me think, you can't communicate um, to somebody else all the driving factors that are playing into your choices, whether it's like setting or, or dialogue, because a, a lot of it could be based on sort of abstract thought that you can't get across. And that's what makes this person uniquely qualified to be the one helming the show and, and making it great. So it, it's just very hard to, to change hands because you can't hand over everything. If you don't exactly know everything that you're handing over, I can't put it into words. If that, if that wasn't a convoluted mess of a statement there. Yeah. And while I mentioned earlier, there hasn't been much revealed about season two. I just want to go over some of these, episode titles very Mm -hmm. quickly because you know the first episode title for season two is mad max so anyone who is familiar with you know mad max the movies and everything they're gonna be like oh i wonder what that could mean because it's a totally Mm -hmm. different style and just Mm -hmm. different story from mad max you're like okay where are we going and then episode two you have the boy who came back to life which presumably would be about will and being stuck in the upside down and everything Mm -hmm. and then you have you know a few places in here you have the pumpkin patch the palace you have the secret cabin for episode seven and then for the season finale you have the lost brother and it's like okay so is you know jonathan going to go missing now or is this still about will or Mm -hmm. what have you and I think even if some of these episode titles change, which they probably will just because, like I said earlier, they don't want to give too much away. Mm-hmm. That's still yeah. something that people will start generating a bunch of theories on. And, you know, it's like, OK, we don't even have a clue where they're going to go with this. But just those episode t- titles alone kind of give you some food for thought. And you're like, OK. I can see them doing this. I could see them going here with this. And, you know, what if they have Jonathan go missing at the end of season two instead of Will going missing again? And, you know, I think the Duffer brothers have so much just within these episode titles alone to work with for season two. And that's not even counting what they've already thought of and what has been written so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I personally, I don't tend to put too much stake into um, episode titles per se. I think just because right. a lot of times they're um, intentionally uh, cryptic. Like I know with the uh, Breaking Bad a lot, it, w- it it was that way where like you would only realize the meaning of of the title after you notice some sort of small element in in, in the episode. Um, so while I do think these titles do do definitely make sense and and lean towards some. Um, larger truth about what is going on um 
I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's hard to say or give any concrete thoughts as to what's going to happen based on those. Yeah. And if you sort of look at the season one episode titles, it's like they make so much more sense now because we've already yeah. seen everything mm-hmm, exactly. and what happened. But, you know, episode three was titled Holly Jolly. And that was, you know, the Christmas light episode with Will sort of spelling out a message for his mom and everything yeah. and there is no way you could have seen that coming just from reading episode yeah. titles so it's sort of you know something that some critics will take and run with it but like you said i don't want to put too much thought into it right now just because mm-hmm. it does state that some of them will change so it's like, okay, mm-hmm. then you're like, which ones are they going to change? And what is that going to mean? And it's just way mm-hmm. too much to dive into. And obviously, super fans of the show probably have no problem doing that. Because I feel like this is easily going to become such a big series in general. You know, they already have mm-hmm. the Funko toys for Stranger Things. Yeah. And with season two, they'll probably have a second wave of those. And they already have, you know, mul- multiple ones of Eleven. You know, they have one of just her. And then I think they have one with her and the Egos. And, you know, they're definitely very invested in this series. And I think that is definitely a good sign for it moving forward. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people just love the kids in general and yeah outside of the show too so you know i think they definitely hit it out of the park with this first season and hopefully they can continue to build on it for season two and hopefully more seasons to come after that Mm -hmm. yeah and to and sort of go off what what you were just saying part of the reason that i think the show did so well and is doing so well and will probably carry on doing well in its next season is because it's very marketable not in yeah. terms of, of, of just what it is, but as you said, in terms of these kids, like going on late night or, or making these funny, crazy online videos or dancing and singing at award shows. It's just that the these this this main crew of kids, they're very engaging. They're very uh, click worthy online. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think like half of the show's hype is basically what happens outside of the show. And that's sort of just a, a function of how tv and um, online culture work today and it's just it's and but what brings it over over the top is that these sort of charismatic personalities outside of the show bring you into this show that is very different from them but just very high quality yeah and i think it helps that the kids are so likable and everything outside of the show and they're just as excited about this as the viewers are you know i don't think any of them were expecting it to be this huge especially you know when you're a kid you don't really have expectations for too many things it's like you you sort Mm -hmm. of want video games and that sort of thing and if you don't get a video game you know you're disappointed for a bit but then you find something else and move on and you know these kids probably felt the same way about acting it's like okay cool we have Mm -hmm. something to work on and you know if it didn't work out they're still so young that it wasn't going to be a career ender or anything and then to have Mm -hmm. it come out as big as it did they were probably just like oh wow you know this Mm -hmm. is huge and i'm sure it took some time for it to sink in and i think they've all handled it 
so well because like you said they've been on late night shows i saw some of them have parts in other tv shows and everything and it's like Mm -hmm. they've handled it better than a lot of child stars have and you know hopefully they don't get to the point that we've seen with a lot of child stars who you know sort of went off the rails and everything later in Mm -hmm. life so it'll be interesting to see obviously how that plays out outside of the show as well and i think you know with this being a netflix show it's obviously handled differently than disney shows and that sort of thing so i think you know i i'm hoping at least that these kids will be totally fine down the road and you know continue to go on and have great careers even outside of this like many of the harry potter stars have Mm -hmm. well yeah i think at this point they're just excited a to have a job and b to have it be doing very well like i know barb i'm blanking on on the name of the actress but this was actually her first accredited role like in in anything so this is this is just like this big huge shock for her that like her first role in in tv or movies or whatever is just taking off in this way and that it's leading to to these other roles and while this may not be like the very first role for for these other kids it's I would assume just based on their age, one of the earliest projects in their career, and it's doing very well, and they just seem very thankful about it at this point. Yeah, and I think even for Winona Ryder, it's a big role yeah. for her because, you know, True. she hasn't, she's done stuff, but she hasn't done anything that's really been a huge role by any means, mm-hmm. at least from my memory. And, you know, like I said, with all of the outside influences on the show, the, the Funko bobbleheads and everything, I even went to a friend's art show and they had a separate mm-hmm. room that was entirely a Stranger Things gallery. <laughs> and, you know, I, I bought a piece of art that is, you know, the monster from the Upside Down grabbing Barb mm-hmm. off of the, you know, the diving board. <laughs> and oh, I, there you go. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So this, you know is going to spur a lot of different types of creative projects outside of the show. And, you know, Mm -hmm. these weren't well-known artists by any means. It was a bunch of people sort of local to where I live and everything. And they were Mm -hmm. doing these amazing art pieces for the show because not only do just regular viewers love it, critics have loved it. Artists have loved it, and it sort of spawns all of these other mm-hmm. things outside of that. And obviously, you know, Funko would have been pretty dumb to not have done a Stranger Things mm-hmm. line. And it's not too often that you necessarily see that with these Netflix shows. Obviously, with Marvel, that's a different thing because that's a huge company teaming up with Netflix. Yeah. But when you have something like The Get Down, I haven't seen any toys or anything spawn from that series. So it's sort of like they have Mm -hmm. something unique on their hands here. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I think it sort of boils down to um, based on everything we've we've said before, how how these these characters are are fun to watch. The show looks great. It sounds great. All the all all the mania surrounding it is fun. Um, What we have is just a show that for various reasons and pretty much every angle you want to view it from is very easy to love, whether whether you're a a viewer or or, or an an actor or a director or an artist watching it. There's just there's just very few reasons to not like it. Yeah. And I think obviously 
I'll be impatiently awaiting season two, but mm-hmm. do you think you will be covering season two for Nerdist again? Is that something you want to do? Stranger Things pays the bills, so absolutely. I'll write about it for, for I'll, I'll, I'll write about it for as long as, as I keep getting checks in the mail. But yeah, I enjoy it though. It was it, it was it yeah. was uh, fun to write about just because of, of 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 all the mania and fandom surrounding it. There's always there's always something to write about, and then there's always going to be people who who want to read about it. So it's 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 pretty convenient for me in terms of work. Yeah, and. You know, on that note, are there any final thoughts you have about the show? I'm just really looking forward to season two and sort of how that plays out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not really beyond what what we said. I guess the the only thing um, that we haven't talked about that I am curious about and really wanting to see in the next season is uh, Brett Gelman's character. He's always f- f- very funny. He could bring a sort of more humorous element to the show, which was. I mean, it had like some sort of humor at times, uh, a little bit, but he's just like an actually very funny guy. So I'm I'm curious to see what what he's going to bring. Yeah, because you know, like we said earlier, they have added some characters for season mm-hmm. two, and they've bumped some characters up to main character roles and everything. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we'll see more of Will. At least it would be crazy for us not to see more of Will, considering yeah, you exactly. know he was the whole reason for this happening and you know the the whole reason they even had this sort of story and adventure to begin with and i think you know i'm just sort of excited for something that can take you out of the present day and just Mm -hmm. engulf you in this different world even if it's only for you know eight nine hours or something like that and Mm -hmm. i feel like with some of these Marvel shows and everything that Netflix is doing, it's not quite the same effect simply because you know, mm-hmm. you know, these are superheroes, you know, and I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the upside down would probably never be real, but there mm-hmm. are, you know, sort of creatures and everything that can do damage to people. So I feel like while Stranger Things isn't totally realistic, the characters themselves are realistic like the people in the show are realistic as opposed to you know having luke cage who is a bulletproof man and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so i think you know these kids are very relatable and you know you can Mm -hmm. have adults looking back on this show and being like yeah i remember when we used to do those things and that sort of thing so i think Mm -hmm. they have a wide audience here as well and i think that's going to help them a lot going forward yeah pretty much and like with the uh like with the Marvel shows, you have unrealistic characters dealing with, with with an unrealistic world, but in this show, you got realistic characters dealing with with this crazy world. So it's sort of another door that's easier for you to walk through and sort of uh, more easily identify with with these characters. And I think that's part of the reason why it's easy for us to get uh, the absorbed because we can see them as a lens for us to look through it and experience all this madness that you wouldn't expect to happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'll probably have to have yeah. you back on so we can talk about season two later in the year, because if yeah. you, especially if you're going to write about it, that's, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you'll have a lot of thoughts on it then too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this was the, This was a lot of fun. Thanks. I'm down. Awesome. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.